the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. It calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. My name is Spud Goodman. <laughs> the Spud Man. <laughs> and I will be your host for this quaint, handmade remote radio show. Yes, real, live, socially distant human beings in our homes produce this program all with tender loving care so if you feel the need to shout out this thing sucks just remember you will be hurting the feelings of mostly decent people you know people who could sure use some support right now i'm not singling out my you know just myself but please do keep this in the back of your mind that we're you know here at the Spud Goodman Show, we have feelings, all right? We have like family members, or, or in my my case, pets that look up to us. So maybe a random act of praise sent our way might be a nice thing to do. Yes! I'm just saying. Now I need to introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, why don't you give us a top-notch chortle? Very well. <laughs> How was it? Um, you know, it wasn't exactly a chortle. It sounded more like a plain old laugh. Well, I'll practice my chortles more in my spare time. But I will tell you, I have a very busy schedule. And as a volunteer, I will be honest here and say I have other priorities right now. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, wait, I gotcha. And, and can I ask where our intern and your fiancé, Chance, is? Uh, he didn't call in. At least I don't see him on the you know, oh, screen. I should ask I Trevor, maybe. Yeah, what? something came up. I think he's on restriction. He upset his parents, I guess, and they took away his cell phone. He can explain it later. But I think it had to do with not cleaning his room. Oh, he is looking forward to our wedding, as his parents can be a bit demanding. Uh, sounds like it. He, he, he's around 21, at least now, right? Uh -huh. They should cut him some slack. Anyway, I'm now forced to acknowledge uh, our temporary co-host, uh, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, why don't you maybe, you know, text me a few words, and I'll convey it to our listeners later. You can, I don't know, uh, maybe mail it to me, you know, and if you have difficulties texting, you could, you know, write something like on a post-it in cursive, if you still know how to do that, you know, maybe with a crayon. I believe that our ed education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as. Yeah, I am more than capable of writing in cursive, Spud, but I, I would say so. Prefer 
Well, yeah, I'd rather communicate with our listeners at this moment rather than have you, you know, read a statement from me. And I would point out, by the way, that a single post-it will not allow me ample space to fully express myself as I have a well, lot of... I think, I think you've already exceeded what you might have said on like 10 or 15 post-it notes. So let's get this yeah. show started. For the record, I once again would like to announce my objection to the recent direction of management. You know, I'm sure everyone else here in the studio read the memo we got. And uh, I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay. Am I the only one who has no clue what the word analytics means? Uh, I, I guess now everything we do on the show is going to be analyzed by, by some, what, college kid who, who's a math whiz or something? I don't understand what's going on, but I wanted to bring our listeners on board in case they notice anything different on this particular episode. Well, you know, I thought the memo was quite clear. Our executive producer is just doing her job by trying to improve this show. You know, she's just using the latest technique successful organizations utilize when evaluating their efforts. Not only are you a hot dog, a grandstander, a showboat, and a prima donna, but you're a liar too. Sounds like a creepy big brother operation to me. I threw my memo in the trash. Well, Mrs. Jarvis, there's no need to rebel here. If if we would all give this process a chance, we just might see a significant increase in the ratings. I know many or other organizations have used analytics to do a top-to-bottom look at their operation. I don't trust anything that has to do with math, okay? I've always yeah. had trouble with it. Like, I got a, a D in algebra and an F in statistics at, at community college. Numbers don't always tell the truth, man. <laughs> well, actually, numbers always do tell the truth. Um, I think it'd be actually... Yeah, numbers are never wrong, Spud. Uh, like, at my other place... At you don't know that. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. Our store manager breaks everything down in quarterly reports. And I might add, last quarter, I was number two in most effective use of bathroom breaks. I came in at less than 45 seconds. I got beat by four seconds by another guy. What kind of company analyzes an employee's bathroom break times? That, that is sick and just might be a federal crime. That is messed up, yo. I will not let someone in management tell me I need to pee faster. That will be my last day volunteering here. I can tell you that. You know, Mrs. Jarvis, I don't believe volunteers can be analyzed or, or interns, so your fiancé chance is safe, too. The rest of us will just have to step up and bear the burden of scrutiny, you know, for the good of the team. If we want to be taken seriously as a show, we do need to improve our product. There's nothing wrong with our product. I mean, there are other radio shows that suck more than us. We're coming for you, globalist! And we're going to let some young punk who, who's good at adding and subtracting tell us what to do to fix things? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, well, but why don't you just give this a fair shot? I don't know the young man who's currently evaluating our program, but I know I'm open to constructive criticism. And who knows? He might crack the code on how all the big radio shows do it. You know, uh, attract millions of listeners. 
I don't want to attract millions of listeners. Do you realize really? what kind of pressure that will bring? I like things just the way they are. You know, being like a, a, a cool band that nobody knows about. And, you know, before everyone checks them out and, and once they become known, you know, they're not so cool anymore. And, and, and being cool is something I've never quite been able to pull off in my life. Send Fredo off to do this. Send Fredo off to do that. If we do this, I have no chance whatsoever. I mean, who at iHeartRadio or or any other multinational radio corporation is cool? Greg, our, our number one salesman for 2019 at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. Is very cool. Most customers really like him. Success does not make one uncool, Spud. Yeah, but you you will never be cool, ever. So well, I cannot take advice on this from someone like you. I really, I I say successful people are annoying. Yeah, I just I just said it. Um, they can get on your nerves. I I know I relate much better to others who who just can't quite get it together. And corn pop was a bad dude. I don't know. I just I feel more comfortable around people like that for whatever reason. They are my people. Uh, you know, this pursuit of excellence crap we're, we're now supposed to be focusing on is a waste of time. Listen, there is no shame in mediocrity. How many times have I said that on this show? Yeah, but we can talk about this further later. Right now, I need to play some music. So let's start off with a song released many years ago uh, from a band that formed in the state of Ohio at Antioch College and then later moved to Seattle in 1989. The studio recorded take was included on their Frenching the Bully album, originally originally released in 1992 on CZ Records, but this is a live version of that record's reissue in 2003. Now, their lead singer, Mia Zapata, was tragically murdered in July of 1993. She was such an amazing talent. Uh, here is another shot of whiskey.
this is Cheech Marin, and you're listening to the Spud Goodman Show. So am I. So keep listening. It could pay off. Uh, Spud, your first guest, William Zabka, is waiting to speak with you. Now, is William a boxer? I I thought I've seen him on that ESPN channel. No, he's not a boxer. He's an actor, dude. Have you not heard of the Karate Kid 1 and 2 movies? Were you chained up in a basement or something back then? Oh, seriously, Gerald, how could you not be aware of the Karate Kid movies? Well, I, I think I remember it. Was there a talking dog in that? I don't think it was a real talking dog. They just made it look like the dog was talking. Hello, I'm Mr. Ed. Uh, no, there was there was no talking dog in it. Okay, yeah. anyway, uh, both of, both of those movies, one and two, were released in the eighties, and and they brought it back uh, as it was on YouTube Prime for two seasons. Uh, yeah, that was their pay their pay channel or whatever. So and now it's streaming on Netflix, and you know, and I guess yeah, just check it out. It's it's one of their most watched TV shows right now. So anyway. All right. Well, I, I I mean, I'll set our VCR and tape a couple episodes, I guess. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! It's streaming on Netflix. Uh, never mind. It would take too long to explain that to you. So just, just put him through. Yeah. Uh, okay. Streaming shows cannot be taped. I mean, that's, that's too bad. Uh, but uh, here he is. Please greet actor, screenwriter, and martial artist, William Zabka. Uh, thanks for coming on our show. Hey, Spud. Thanks, man. It could be here, man. Yeah, so Cobra Kai is now streaming on Netflix after two seasons on YouTube Prime. There will be a season three. Will that be on YouTube also, or is this a full move to Netflix now? Uh, this is a, no, we're fully on Netflix now, and uh, season three will be on Netflix uh, in 2021. We're waiting to find uh, the date out for that. But uh, that'll be exclusively on Netflix uh, coming soon. All right, super. Well, I'm not sure if this is the longest period of time elapsing for a reboot. The Karate Kid was released in 1986, but damn, didn't that first season get a hundred score on Rotten Tomatoes? Not a bad idea to bring it back, I'd say. Yeah, we we uh, we did get a hundred score. In fact, I just got the Rotten Tomatoes sent me a little uh, award, like 100 percent fresh. So uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty cool, man. The, The response. Uh, to the show has been unbelievable critically and the fans have embraced the show and uh, that's why we're now on Netflix going to a world stage going to 30 some countries translated into many languages and uh, you know the show's expanding and uh, we're, we're just switching tracks now and it uh, couldn't be more exciting alright super well, William is it true that you have a green belt as, as I didn't even know that color belt existed it must be only for like a super special group of martial artists <laughs> Well, you know, the belt system goes up in colors. Um, you know, when I did Karate Kid, I was a white belt. So I didn't know any karate. I didn't even have a belt when I when I finished Karate Kid. It was just the beginning belt. And then I trained many years after that and uh, privately and uh, for film and went through the uh, the, the testing system in Tang Sudo and got a second green in Tang Sudo, which is one away from red, which is another step away from black. Huh. So... Um, so, so uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a martial artist, um, but I haven't got my black belt yet. I'm going to have to work on that because i got some kids, and they're in karate, and uh, Daddy needs to set the stage for that, pave the way. <laughs> but on screen, I'm a black belt, and if you uh, choreograph it, I'll, I'll win every fight. 
Well, that's good to know. All right, super. Uh, you know, I, I guess what you were a wrestler in like high school, right? So the transition was it was it difficult at all, or? Um, well, yeah, I was I was a wrestler in high school. I actually had an injury in my junior year in high school. I wrestled someone in about two weight classes above me and power slammed me on my back. And uh, I had a, I thought it was a kidney, but it was actually my lower back. When I got Karate Kid, uh, I knew they had to train me, and I was kind of nervous that my back wasn't going to hold up. But what I found was martial arts actually strengthened my core and my back, and um, pretty much healed it. So uh, it was a, it was a, it was definitely a transition. I was athletic. I was, um, you know, uh, limber. But um, yeah, so it was, it was a bit of a, a, a whole new thing. Um, but uh, once you once you get into martial arts and and training that way, it, it becomes a lifestyle, and uh, yeah, gives you all kinds of uh, strength. Physically and, and internally too. Hey, uh, Spud, what? If I could uh, jump in here, like William, I too was involved with wrestling in high school. Okay. I don't, I've ever so? mentioned this. I, well, I don't think I ever talked about it on the show before. Actually, I was the wrestling team manager, but I was allowed to get on the mat and you know practice and work on holds and stuff. Uh, hey, William, just a sec. Yes, sir. I don't think you can compare being a manager to actually being on the wrestling team. What were you yeah, responsible for? Fresh towels and maybe helping with the weigh-ins? Oh, do they give letters to team managers? Oh yeah, I received a letter as wrestling team manager and I also got one for managing the girls bowling team. Uh, it was the first year for girls bowling at our school. I still have my old letterman's jacket somewhere at home. Speaking of bowling, can you call some a sport where people smoke and drink while playing it? Well, I'm in two bowling leagues right now myself, and no, it's really not a sport. Right? Uh, let, let me just finish this up with William. All right, I'm back. Let's do it. Well, I have to ask, if you have to, like, deal with... A few fans while you're at the mall or, say, the movies, and obviously before the public health crisis, but do they, do they ever come up to you and challenge you to see how tough you are? I mean, that would be a mistake, I'm thinking. <laughs> you know, I, I've had maybe one or two incidents in my 30 years, and they were very mild. Uh, you know, I think most people know that it's, uh, it's a movie and it's make-believe. Right, uh, so thankfully, right. I haven't had anybody... Uh, challenge me like that you know all right well a few years back we had on our show one of your co-stars in the karate kid movies and now on cobra kai martin cove he seemed like a legit badass uh -huh. man a dude who who uh, i would jump to if he gave me a directive do, do you guys hang out much <laughs> yeah i had dinner with, with mr cove last night funny enough uh, huh. and uh you know it, 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 he, his on-scene persona and his real life persona are sure complete opposites, man. He's a pussycat. He's super sweet. But, uh, you know, as John Kreese, he's, uh, he's ruthless. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking he'd be a great wingman to have if you're going out, but alright. Um, so, let me ask you this. <laughs> a, away from showbiz, uh, do you have like a hobby or an interest that might surprise people, like collecting hummels or maybe canning yams? Something? Oh, well, let's see. Well, you know, I was... Uh, I went to music school. I'm a guitar player, so I was in a lot of bands growing up. I guess that might surprise people that huh. I play guitar and yeah. actually almost became a studio. I would change to be a studio musician. Uh, as far as collecting things, not really. You know, I, I'm a river rafter, a um, scuba diver, deer, guitar player, 
and, and mainly my main thing is dad, so that keeps me pretty busy. So my kids collect all the things, and I just clean them up. Yeah, I heard that's kind of a full-time gig. That's why. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of a full-time gig. Yeah. Um, well, let me end this thing with my standard talk show host question. Um, William Zabka, what has been your most memorable moment in showbiz? My most memorable moment in showbiz is, well, there's many of them. I guess the, the two of them I'll give you. How about that? The first cool. one was the, after my third or fourth audition on Karate Kid. My, my final audition was was to go into uh, Columbia Pictures with Pat Johnson, who, was, who trained us for all the martial arts. And my final audition, they said, come in with your you know, your sweatpants. You're not going to be with the director. You're going to be with the, the martial artist. And he stretched me out, bent me in different positions to see if I was limber and sent me home. And about a half hour later, I got a phone call that I got the part of Johnny Lawrence. And, uh, you know, your first one is your first one is always memorable. And, uh, life-changing. The idea that you're going to be in a movie. Yeah, yeah it's life-changing. And then, you know, the second one would be the premiere of Karate Kid in Westwood. Um, you know, to have gone from you know, the whole the whole six months of, uh, from shooting to, to it coming out and uh, walking and seeing it on the screen. Uh, that would be probably my most memorable. The first, I think, are always the best. Was that Bruin Theater? Uh, yeah, in Westwood. Yeah. I believe it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, would. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. I know I know. it's uh, been a long day for you. So, all right. Let me say again. Yeah. Season one and two of your series, Cobra Kai, is now streaming on Netflix. We really, really appreciate you, you know, spending some time with us. Hey, guys. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Mr. William Zapka. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Uh, uh, uh. My skin crawled. Uh, Spud, the show's resident psychic, Ted Marr, is on hold for you. Okay, put him through. Yeah, do you want me to do his promo? <laughs> yeah, like I that's one of the few things you have to do on this show. You should have already been doing it. It should be over with by now. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, Ted Mars Out of This World can be heard each Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. on KKNW, 11.50 a.m. and on the web. Here he is. Welcome back to the show, our resident psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. We, of course, appreciate you calling in. Oh, thank you so much, Bud. I always enjoy talking to you. Yeah, so what I wanted to run by you this time was something I've danced around in prior conversations with you. Uh, is there really a hell? That's what I wanted to ask. I, I've, n I've never really hit you directly. As frankly, the answer might scare me because I still have, you know, uh, I don't know, I've still never been able to watch The Exorcist, having gone to parochial school until I escaped in mm -hmm. junior high. Mm -hmm. Is hell the mm -hmm. only alternative to the really cool place where everyone wants to end up heaven or whatever it's really called? Well, the answer may surprise you, but the hell is located in two spots, two places. Um, Earth can be a hell in and of itself if you create one for yourself. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, on the other side, the, the, the place of hell that I think you're referring to is the lower part of the fourth dimension, where a lot of negative entities um, um, uh, hang out. Let's say if somebody's really awful during this lifetime, they'll go not to the fifth dimension where benevolent spirits go, but they'll go to the lower part of the fourth dimension, um, where um, if you take drugs or alcohol, that's will often where people will go, and then they'll get attachments from these negative entities, but that's usually where it is, in the lower part 
of the fourth dimension. Well, if for some reason, you know, one does not end up where they want to be when they pass on, are there opportunities to appeal the decision? I mean, that would only be fair. As mis mistakes could be made, like a, like a clerical error, or I don't know. It would help to know if I do end up in some kind of hell that, I, you know, I'd have an option or something to, 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 to appeal it. It's, it's funny you, you mentioned that because um, there, there was this, uh, a movie out back in the late 80s um, where uh, it, it was supposedly a true story where a fellow uh, spirit went on the other side and then the spirit gave the script to this producer and he, he produces it. It's kind of like a comedy film, but he wanted to be with his with his with this, this lady he met on the other side and she was going walk one direction and he was supposed to go another direction. And what he did, he... He he uh, he jumped ship and joined her in her on her spirit path, breaking all the rules over there. But then he appealed it and was able to go with her. Oh. So my 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 answer it's an interesting question. My answer is probably yes, um, but it all depends upon your intent. And if it's for the highest and best good, you will be allowed to do to do that. Well. As a psychic, are you aware of the criteria, you know, for making the cut to not be sent to that bad place? How good do you have to be? I mean, no one's perfect. Okay, okay, maybe one individual, but the rest of us all have our flaws. You know what I mean? Um, that's a really good question. Let me expand it a little bit, and then I'll answer. Right. Um, I've been told that there's two distinctions here in the universe. There's service to self on the negative path, and then there's service to others, too, on a positive, loving path. As long as you're 51% service to self, you will ascend with planet Earth. The whole planet right now is ascending. Um, and so um, as far as going going to, to, to hell, as long as you're service to self, I mean, everybody are service to others and do it in a loving, kind, benevolent way. I mean, everybody makes mistakes right. and, and it's part, part of being existing here. But as long as your heart's good and you've got good intentions, even if you make a mistake, God forgives everybody, wow. and you're given a you're given the, the, the chance to improve yourself. So don't don't be too hard on yourself. Is the message yeah. I got. If yeah. You made a mistake. Yeah, because I, I've screwed up a lot in my life. I, I feel like I'm in right. like the confessional booth or something now. But you know, I I was right. I also right. have done some pretty darn good things too. I, I was wondering, is there a number system? Uh, uh, you know, like a person's good points and negative points, and someone probably a higher power adds them up to make the call. There has to be. Um, I mean, act Actually, that's a good question because uh, in the Van Allen belt, belt of this planet, but there's a there's a record section called the Akashic Records where angels actually have records of everyone's life, and you can go up there um, with a good psychic and access your records um, and go over your life to see what you've done in the past and how well you've done. Wow! Um, and so that's a that's another fascinating subject. I, I'm seeing that it's like a it's like library bookcases that go on forever. And um, it's and, and the angels there um, have, have they generally wear long white robes and long beards, and they go access these these library stacks of di different people's lives, and they go up and pick up like a volume, and they say, they, "This is your life," and you can access it uh, with a good psyche. You can access that to see what you've done right and wrong in the past. Um, Spud, what? I don't want to put a damper on your hopes of one day getting into heaven, but it might be best for you to prepare for the other alternative. Being sent to hell for eternity. What? Well, it won't be pleasant, I won't lie. But having some time now to prepare mentally might be of benefit when the time does come. Uh, hey, Ted, just a second here. 
Okay. Dude, I, I may have screwed up a lot in my life, but I don't plan to go to hell, okay? If there is a hell, and you never, and who knows, but There's just in case. But I deserve better than that anyway. Just because you've just said no to most of the fun things in life doesn't guarantee you'll not be joining a whole lot of jerks in that hot place, okay? Don't get too cocky. Remember that old saying, pride goeth, or, or is it cometh, before the fall. I don't know. You get the point. Well, I'm quite confident I will be in heaven with all my family and close friends. Not much doubt on my part, Spud. Uh, sounds like a fall is coming to me. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just saying. Uh, now let me return to Ted. Okay, I'm back. All right, thanks. Well, la- last thing, let me hit you with this. Uh, for those who don't make it to the good place and have to go to the bad place... Is there enough space where you don't have to rub elbows with dudes like Hitler, Roy Cohn, or, or Matt Lauer? Or uh, well, he he could actually still be alive. But anyway, I I don't want to spend any time with Hitler. Can you kill yourself after you're already dead if you have to? Uh, no, uh, no, <laughs> no, oh. no. Energy matter once created, energy once created is never destroyed, according to my friend Albert Einstein. So um, you will simply it just gets transformed. Um, and, um, so you will, you will go to the level on a spiritual, on a spiritual, in a spiritual way of the, of whatever other entities you gravitate to. So if you're very negative in this life and you go to the other side, you'll be around other very negative people until you realize one day that there's a better way and you inch yourself way out of that and learn to evolve in, in a positive way. All right. So I, I figured you had to do yeah. something like that. That's uh, all right. I don't, I don't. Hey, okay. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. you, you, you know, taking some time to give us some answers on this stuff. And we will talk again for sure. So just thank you so much for calling in, okay? Wonderful, Spud. This is always a lot of fun to talk to you. Take there care, you, my friend. That's right. There you have it, Mr. Ted Marr, our show's resident psychic. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. This is the Scoffs from Seattle, Washington. You're listening to Spud Goodman Show. Who? That guy sucks. I used to blame society. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Getting back to our discussion on our executive producer's move to improve the quality of our program. Yeah. You know, she, she means well, Spud. Using state-of-the-art analytics to evaluate all aspects of what we're doing here will only help. Why would you be opposed to improving our product? I, I know our listeners would appreciate a better show. Yes. Uh, the first reason would be, is this going to result in much more work for me, Spud Goodman? Why would I want to support that proposition? Yeah, as a volunteer designated laugher, my plate is already full. You, you guys, we all should want to give our listeners the very best show we can produce. I can sense that they're all like nodding their heads as I speak these words. You know, from looking nodding at us, period, we have nowhere to go but up. And I think we can agree that they were really embarrassing. Shut up. 
Maybe, but I, I guess you could say that, but I guess the alternative in my mind could be much worse, okay? Who wants to have everything they do be analyzed by some smart-ass college student who, who might be good in math, but has no concern for my well-being? Well, I believe the young man who's compiling the data and formulating conclusions is a nephew of our executive producer. I heard he isn't even charging the show for his services. He just gets first dibs on all the CDs we get uh, from the record labels. Yeah, that's a pretty sweet deal for us, don't you think? Well, then I, I hope he has horrible musical taste, and so he doesn't grab all the ones that you know they're halfway decent. Um, I would agree that it would be nice to get more people to listen to this show, as I hope I'm not just laughing on demand for literally nobody. Hey, I am somebody. I don't think so. And I appreciate your timely laughs at my wit and humor on this show. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> thank you. I know. I know you both have heard about the book and movie Moneyball, right? Analytics yeah, yeah. have revolutionized baseball, Spud. It's made the Oakland Athletics a perennial contender. Or, I mean, at least that's what I read on that memo. You know nothing about baseball, dude. I mean, you're just reciting the BS you were told to spout. You know, yeah, Billy Bean, the GM in Oakland, has been able to make the A's into an overachieving franchise. I mean, they they spent, what, 50% of what most winning teams do, and they and they make the playoffs regularly. But, you know. But what? See, the, this works, and not just in baseball. Uh, let me read this blurb I Googled here. <clears throat> Analytics can be understood as the connective tissue between data and effective decision-making within an organization. That's ridiculous. Isn't it data? But, all right. Oh, anyway, Aunt Dorothy, what did you say? Well, I think he said there is extensive research that says this is the smart way to go. Does everyone understand that once this door is open, everything we do will be put under the microscope? You guys, you're not getting this. Every minute of our workday will be scrutinized. Everything. Well, yes, all aspects of our workday will have to be recorded and entered into the database so an accurate evaluation can be done. I know I'm anxious to learn if everything I do here in my workday is effective and a good use of my time. I mean, uh, what, what if I'm now involved in worthless activities? As you know, Spud, time is money. Hey, Bud, what's your problem? Who's to say what are worthless activities? Come on. I mean, I, I know I have my own daily work routine that I have created over the years that, that allows me to perform at such a high level. I'm a very stable genius. I mean, it, it's what separates me from other talk show hosts. Well, if someone asks me to fill out some freaking long workday questionnaire, that will also go right into the trash can. I hear you, Dorothy. I think we might need a mediator to work with the staff to help us reach a consensus on this matter. Yeah, yeah, you get on that right away. You know, now I need to return to the music, okay? This is a song from a band hailing from Barcelona, Spain, Mourn. Uh, this, a tune off their self-titled debut album released in 2014. Uh, here is Your Brain is Made of Candy. Hit it, please. At first I thought it was friends 
Goodman Radio Show. Uh, Spud, your next guest, John Meacham, is holding for you. Now, I heard you talking about Mr. Meacham uh, on our Zoom staff meeting. Now, yeah. he's a presidential historian, right? Yeah. Well, I sure hope he'll give President Trump the credit he so rightly deserves after he leaves office. No collusion. Yes, John Meacham is one of the most highly respected historians we have today, and it's an honor to have him on our show. But but, but I don't think there's a presidential scorecard that's filled out by anyone. You know, with Trump though, it, it wouldn't take them long to fill it out. Is there'd just be a whole lot of goose eggs for sure. Oh well, I'm looking forward to hearing from John. He has written so many great books. Yes, he has. And he has a new one out now uh, that we're going to be talking about, about the late congressman and civil rights pioneer John Lewis, a man who did not fear much, that's for sure. Uh, With this interview, uh, I would really appreciate if everyone uh, would just kind of keep quiet, please. Well, you know, I think I could add an interesting perspective by adding my commentary, uh, but very well, uh, I'll put him through. Welcome, best-selling author and presidential historian John Meacham. We really appreciate you coming on our show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so you have a new book out titled His Truth is Marching On, John Lewis and the Power of Hope, now available wherever books are sold. Okay, there, there have been many historic figures in the civil rights movement, but, but John Lewis was an instrumental one, someone who was totally fearless, to say the least. But what, what prompted you to commit to writing this book? Did, did you have a personal relationship with Mr. Lewis? I did. I was honored to know him for almost 30 years. Uh, and when he was diagnosed with pa- the pancreatic cancer that, that, that ultimately killed him in, in July, uh, 
I decided I wanted to write uh, an account of what he meant during the movement and what he can mean to us today, right? And the remarkable thing about John Lewis is the power of faith, the power of the idea <clears throat> that, in fact, if all of us did the right thing, if our hearts and minds were oriented in a more generous direction, John genuinely believed that we could bring about the beloved community on earth. And it wasn't just words with him. It was deed. It was action. Uh, he was arrested 45 times in his life, uh, five times as a member of Congress. He was uh, imprisoned in Parchman Penitentiary in Mississippi, which William Faulkner called Destination Doom. Uh, his friends told me that they were surprised John made it out of the 1960s alive because, as one of them said, for some reason, the cops always went for his head. And again and again and again, Lewis put himself at the front of the line in a nonviolent way. He put his body on the line to call a nation to moral account. Right. Um can, can you describe John's relationship with the Reverend Martin Luther King? He was very young during, in that period. Were they close? They were. Uh, they were about 12 years apart. Uh, he was sort of an elder, elder brother and hero figure, King was, to Lewis. Lewis had first heard him on the radio uh, from Montgomery. Uh, John grew up about 50 miles from Montgomery in Troy, Alabama. He heard King preaching during the bus boycott uh, that had been ignited by Rosa Parks. He had read about King in a comic book uh, that had been put out called The Montgomery Story and went to meet King at Christmas 1957. Christmas 57. Uh, they first met and remained incredibly close. John was the student leader and King was uh, the, sort of the middle-aged, uh, middle-class leader. And uh, it took both tributaries to, to form the mighty river of the movement. What do you think the, the key is over the years in terms of the resistance for the struggle for equal rights for all? Do you, do you think it's based more so on economics and privilege or just flat-out tribalism? I think it's race. Uh, I think that from 1619 forward, uh, America has lived with, perpetuated, protected in many ways, a caste system in the country in which skin color is, as Taylor Branch, the great historian, has written, color in America defines vision in the way color itself defines vision. And I think that many white people uh, have clung to their racial identity as their defining characteristic. Mm -hmm. And they have seen people of color, black people, as threats to their own standing in the world. And I think we're seeing that today. And I think we saw it in the Civil Rights Movement. And I think we saw it in the Civil War. And we saw it in the American Revolution. We saw it all the way back. And one of the things the legacies, the living legacy of John Lewis is that's not what we should be. Yes, it's been what we are, but it's not what we should be. Right. 
Well, you know, we're pretty much gonna, pretty soon going to be a fairly blended nation. Do, do you think this is like the last battle for white nationalists? I totally do. That, that's the, I, I think that this presidency is, I hope, one of the last great reactions to a shifting demographic reality. Right. This really starts rooted in 1965, 64, 65, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. The Immigration Act in 1965 that President Johnson signed, which shifted uh, immigration policy and created what will become uh, a much more diverse nation. I do believe that what we've seen the last three and a half years or so is a ferocious and yet, I hope, ultimately fading reaction to that demographic reality. Yeah, I, let, yeah, that would be that would be yes. <laughs> well, back to John Lewis. I got to ask you this on a lighter note. Uh, I'm never ever ever gonna forget his appearance on Stephen Colbert's show. You know where he once again fearlessly, of course, jumped into the audience and crowd surfed up and back in the Ed Sullivan Theater. Right. I don't think there are many other major figures of any age in political history who would have done that. I think the number would be zero. I can't think of another, uh, and it's, you know, what's fun about that, it's, it's intrinsically fun, but it also shows the power of faith, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? He believed that the people would have him, uh, the people would take care of him, and he took care of us, and I think what we have to do is, is take care of his legacy, not by simply looking back, but by looking forward. Uh, and as he put it, if you see something wrong, if you see something unjust, say something, do something. Yeah, is this is this other statement get in good trouble? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I, good good trouble, necessary trouble, uh, and that's what America's built on, right? And it's it's not a um, it's not a fairy tale. Uh, he was a kid. He was in his teens when he started uh, desegregating Nashville. He was, uh, what was he, 21 when he was in the Freedom Rider. He was 25 that day, that bloody Sunday on the Pettus Bridge. Right. You know, and a little child shall lead them, we were taught long ago. Wow. All right. Well, I know you have to go, but I really, really appreciate you spending some time with us. So let me say again that your new book, His Truth is Marching On, John Lewis and the Power of Hope, is now available everywhere. Uh, just thank you again so much, okay? Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Mr. John Meacham. This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. How about another song? This was written by Neil Sedaka, but recorded by the singer-actress Connie Francis in 1960, I think. And it was released as the title song from the film Where the Boys Are. Here it is. Much more. 
You can get plastic plants too if you want. My, how time flies! You know, Spud, you might feel differently about our effort to use the latest techniques in the radio industry to improve ratings if you gave some thought about how it would help your career. I mean, yes, it might entail a bit more work on your part to compile the data needed, but just think how easy it will be to be to have some of the big stations contacting you about working for them if you had better ratings. Don't you think it's time to move on and go for it? How long have you been doing this show here? Well, probably too long, but there's no guarantee right. if I do sell out and, and write down everything I do during my workday, it'll have any impact on getting a better gig. Shut up and dribble. Oh, if you wrote everything you did at work, it could be a little embarrassing, don't you think? It takes a lot to embarrass me these days, Aunt Dorothy. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, you, you know... You know, Spud, I took the liberty to message the young man who's entering all this data into his computer to More analyze. Yeah. yeah, our executive producer texted me and suggested I had him call in to further explain the process to you and our listeners now that you've brought them into this discussion. Well, I, I always bring our listeners into what, what's going on around here. I mean, it fills the airtime, number one. Uh, so so is, is the kid calling in right now? Yeah, well, I was told that he's holding now and ready to speak with us if you're okay with it. Well, yeah, put him through. Hey, hey, kid, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, my name's Evan. Cool. I don't listen to this show, but my Aunt Lori, your executive producer, I guess, uh, she called me and asked if I'd call in and explain what the plan is. Do you want me to? Uh, it kind of depends on what you're going to say. Well, what is the question? 
I mean, if you think I'm going to jump through any hoops uh, to get you a bunch of irrelevant information, dream on, man. Now, look, look, you will only have to fill out like a daily activity form for one week, and that should give me enough to work with. I just finished up the stats class that dealt with analytics, and I think I know what stuff is needed and what's a waste of time to record. No need to hate on this. It might be fun. It's jack what you're saying. How old are you, can I ask? I mean, men my age don't have fun. I'm 22. I'm finishing up my okay. AA community right. college. Yeah, I'm finishing up right there right now. Uh, I got a late start as I took a couple gap years, but I got into the goth couple? scene. I still like, yeah, I still like the music from the goth scene, but you know, I have to go to bed before sunrise now if I'm going to get anything done. This guy's been stoned since the third grade. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure your aunt is proud of you. Well, I would agree. You know, a decent GPA isn't everything. Uh, you just want to keep that in the back of your mind, all right? And, and there are other metrics to earn praise from loved ones, like like being witty and, and occasionally funny. Eric, uh, you don't sound very witty and definitely not very funny to me. Truth isn't truth. It, it, it's Evan, and uh, I never said I was trying to be a comedian or something. I'm just going to be a CPA if everything works out. So yeah. you, do, you, do you want to do this or not? My aunt said your ratings are crappy, so your show could be canceled at like any time. Uh, it's all fake news. Uh, crappy is a subjective term. And no, we do not have super great ratings at this particular moment. But, you know, we do have our integrity intact. That counts for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know much about the radio business. I do have a friend at our school's radio station. He has an acoustic death metal show on Sunday nights. Anyways, I know if you don't have enough listeners, you get fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. This kid gets the basics of the radio brackets, but it might be a good idea to give it a try. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> the course I took, it dealt with workforce analytics, you know, talent analytics, talent insights, colleague insights, human capital analytics, stuff like that. Predictive models are not 100% accurate, but they're close to being correct. Listen, that big brother sounds like out of that 1980-something book, you know the book I'm talking about. It's very creepy. Yeah, you know, Spud, those are scholarly terms used by mathematicians. They are that the specific areas that could determine whether we can turn this ship around or not. I don't want to sink. Let's just do this. If you really don't want to, it's okay with me. I just told my aunt I would do this as a favor. She paid my tuition the last two quarters, so I kind of owe her at this point. Like, oh. Hey, can the government get their hands on our information? That's something that's, you know, it's, it's concerning to me. And how about Facebook, too? I don't want millions, at least millions, it could be billions, knowing about my, you know, my stuff. Say, like my daily pudding break. This is off the record. I don't actually take a daily pudding break, and most it's just like a couple times a week. But if I I did it every day. Uh, it's not. I don't want that going like viral to to everyone around the world. It's private. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. And you know, I want to ask you this: Do do we have to submit our browser history while at work? Um, actually, I'm supposed to be given remote access to all of your personal communication devices. You know, to make sure you're what? not visiting sites that are you know inappropriate for work. It's not my idea. It was on the list of data I needed to get from you. What the hell, yo? Okay, well, this discussion is over. Uh, no one, not even God, needs to know what websites I might visit during the day. That is extremely personal. Yeah, actually, God already knows each and every time you visit that Pornhouse site that you've mentioned before, Spud. Uh, it's Pornhub. 
Yeah. Uh-oh. This does sound to be a bit more invasive than I had imagined. I mean, okay, whatever. You can tell my aunt you don't want to do this. I should go. I have a paper due on predictive engineering analytics, but can I still get the free CDs? I'm going to make them an offer you can't refuse. Yeah, absolutely you can, Earl. It's Evan, and okay, thanks, bye. You know, what a wonderful young man. Yeah, you know, a, a nice enough kid, but I say no way he ends up being a CPA. He should just hang out more with, with that buddy of his with that acoustic death metal radio show. There's more to life than just adding and subtracting numbers, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I, gotta, I gotta wrap things up right now. I am Spud Goodman, be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to leave you with this by the duo Barnes and Barnes, released in 1978 off their album, Vubaha. Here is, I gotta get a fake ID. Spud Goodman Show is produced at Rosedale Audio Productions. Copyright 2020, Spud Goodman Productions. Well, I burn my bra and I lick my lips and I wear short skirts and I roll my hips.